Let me pray for our time. God, you've been faithful. You've been so faithful. And we are thankful that we get a chance to dive into your scriptures. Would you allow your people uh, to be able to focus, that our understanding may grow because of your uh, spirit at work. Remove me uh, so that people may be able to learn from the illumination of your word. Guide my tongue. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Last week we talked a bit about uh, this God of glory. And this God of glory loved his people so much that he would write out instructions for them, instructions that would be a blessing to them so that they could have a good life. And God uh, did so uh, in a way where uh, the people had a direct experience with God because Moses received what God had written, had written. Today we're going to continue in chapter 5 to build upon, build upon that story. Excuse me, chapter 25. So if you would turn with me in Exodus to chapter 25, that's going to be the place of our text today. And it starts, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that they take from me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution from me. And that is the contribution that you shall receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones for setting, uh, and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece. That you are to take a contribution. A contribution. What is a contribution? I, uh, I, my, my mom gave me a car when I was 16. And uh, when I was 16, I would go get all the homies. We would get ready to go have a fun night. What were we going to do? I don't know. Just being together was enough for the crew, you know? So we would jump in the car, and I would somehow always happen in the beginning of the kicking it trip, go to the gas station first. Mmm, come on, eat. If somebody in the road in the back seat before, you know? <laughs> come on, Pastor. You know, because you, you go there because you know, hey, I'm, I'm using my car. If it breaks, I'm going to fix it. You know, but hey, out of the kindness of your heart, it'd be cool if you contributed to this meandering venture we're going to go on. You know, come on, tough up some snaps on the Petro, you know. It, it was a contribution. It was something that would be a kind gesture to say, hey, as you're caring for me, as you're leading us, let me help you out a little bit. But notice what else happens in verse 2 that helps us understand the contribution a bit more. It says, from every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive a contribution from me. Contribution is, it is voluntary. So, so God didn't command and make them do this. But God does tell Moses Hey, I'm, I want this to come out of the, the heart of my people. I want this to be an expression of my people's heart, gratitude, 
thankfulness for who I am. And it's, and it's interesting because sometimes we, we start in Old Testament and we think legalism and then we go to New Testament and we, see, we think freedom. But the beauty of these scriptures remind us that there's a consistent theme that God always wants the heart of his people. And so we see this actually continue in the New Testament in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. It, it, it says this, this little sentence. Each one must give as he has decided in his what? Heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Doesn't that sound similar to the same wording we just found we found in Exodus? That it continues to be a heart issue? Sometimes we can, we can kind of separate matters of worship and we're like, okay, so singing and my praying time and my reading time, that's worship. But then my giving is just something that I do that's rudimentary. That's just, it's a part of the Christian life and you just do it. You see, I think here God is trying to, to cultivate for the body, of, the body of his people, the people of God, that worship is a part of everything we do, even in our giving. And that that's a theme that's continued on. And I, and I will say, I was raised in the black church uh, up until high school. I was raised in the hood. Uh, when I went to high school, I moved to a suburb. But when we moved to Detroit, I learned something new about worship from my neighbors, from people that we would engage with. Folks would, would connect with us, and it might be a different event. It might be... Uh, um, a, a neighbor that we get to know and then Rebecca and I do some counseling for them or something and people would start saying things to me like pastor you know I've not been to your church but I understand what it means to worship so I'm going to give you my tithe and I'm like whoa wait a minute let's slow down <laughs> you know because there was some unhealthy thinking in that there was times where we had to help people understand hey your, your, your joy your freedom isn't wrapped up in what you give Okay, like your your the value of how God see you isn't dependent on what you gave this week and that week. But there also was something beautiful in people seeing that the stewardship of my finances can bring God glory, can can actually worship God. And while there's some areas of my life that I'm unhealthy in, I'm going to try in this area to be obedient. I learned from some folks, even from some neighbors that, man, this this even aspect of giving, of what it looks like to contribute, is a hard issue. But let's continue in verse 3 to see what did the people of God have to actually contribute. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you see gold, you see silver and bronze, you see tanned ramskins, oil for lamps, fragrant incense, onyx stones. Where did they, where did they get these things? This, this is the people of God, you know, the people of God. They're, they're out in the wilderness. They're being led by, by a fire, by a smoke cloud. They don't, they don't have an apartment complex. I mean, they're just happy to be able to have a little hut, little tent. But do you remember in the midst of this persecution that they endured under the Egyptians? And, and God was showing them that I am your God in control of all things. So he, uh, he allowed these 12, excuse me, he allowed the plagues to, to flow out and, and show his power. And how he was setting aside a beautiful relationship with his people in which they could follow his voice. And as they were leaving Egypt, 
In chapter 12, verse 35, it said, The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing, and the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. <laughs> we don't use that word too often, huh? You know, the, this, these are the slaves are now leaving with all of these different resources. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but that's a, that's a pretty wide and varied list. Some brothers got gold. Another brother got incense. I'm thinking, well, hold on, you got gold? I got incense? I probably got the short end of the stick. Wait a minute, <laughs> what's happening here? You know, they're, they're, they're gathering things to be able to leave, and as they exit, God's favor is upon them. Who would have thought that, that, that these items that they received would be used later to bring God glory in this way? Who would have thought that, that, that these, these things that they were able to acquire would at some point bring, bring, bring a, be a blessing unto the Lord? I, I personally have, have experienced something similar. In, in no way uh, have we created uh, a, a home that has jewels and, and gold walls. <laughs> but but when, I, when I moved here, uh, my wife... I uh, was going to be having our first daughter uh, within the next couple months, and uh, God's favor really uh, worked in a variety of people, but specifically in two people that like stand out most. One was Pastor E. Uh, God had allowed him to have a network, and I was having folks come knocking at my door like, "Hey, can can we can we help you work today?" We talked to Pastor E. Uh, can we help you with this ceiling? And yep, that, that basement, go ahead. I'll, I'll help dig that out, like all types of crazy stuff. And so the Lord blessed us and helped us move forward in our home. And we got to this point where in my bathroom, I just, I just was spent. I didn't have the energy to continue. I didn't have the funds to continue. And we couldn't, we couldn't finish it. And, and I'm, I'm talking to a guy in our body at that time named Josh. And Josh is like, well, actually, when I, when I was in high school, uh, I was the apprentice of a master tiler. <laughs> so I learned how to tile. I learned how to, so I can help you with it. Man, do you know we busted out tiling my whole bathroom and hooked, the, not the whole bathroom, the whole shower and stuff in like a day? And, and I, I was blown away. But who would have thought a kid from the hood of Cleveland hooks up with, Josh, I think Josh from Indiana, Gary, look, uh, that our lives would cross and our skill sets would bless one another later on. A skill set he picked up would actually allow our home to be a place of, of joy, of worship by God's grace. We've had Thanksgiving events there. We've had some of you have been to our home for counseling. Some of you have been to our home for prayer. Like God, is, God has blessed us, but he, he used a skill of this brother that I, he never thought would be used in that way. You see, family, God puts his favor on his people. And as they were leaving Egypt, he says, I have these items for you to take that your enemies are going to bless you with. 
with the goal of creating a place where you'll be able to experience me and worship me. Which moves us in our next verse, verse 8 and 9. And let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, furniture, you shall make it a dwelling place, a dwelling place. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. We have this, this amazing God who's acting in the, who, who we see represented in the manner of fire and smoke. And then he writes out instructions for them for, so that they may have a good life. And then he says, I, I don't want you to have periodic experiences with me. I love you so much that I want to be in your presence. I want to dwell in your presence. This is a, this is a, a, an issue that, that I do wrestle with pretty often um, with young couples. Young couples that, that, that get married, and uh, I hear the guy say, well, man, she knew what she was getting into before we got married. I mean, when I was, when I was single, I went to work. After work, I went to the gym. After the gym, I caught up with the homies for a couple brews. After that, I came home, watched the game highlights, and then I went to sleep. So she knew what she was getting, right? I'm just, I'm just continuing to be me. Or I, or I hear the brother say, man, like, you know, she, she's really engaged in, 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 in her books. I mean, she loves reading. Or she loves, you know, talking to her friends. Or she loves being connected to social media. And while she might be in the room, she might as well be in another state. See, we, I think we all are kind of wired to want to dwell, to want to be fully in the presence of another, you know, to have their attention be solely focused on you. And this God that loves his people is saying, I am going to be there. I'm going to fully be in this place. I'm going to fully dwell in your midst. And that that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a, a powerful thing, a powerful expression of God. And so he does so in this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. Verse 10 says, They shall make an ark of acacia wood, two cubits and a half shall be its length, a cubit and a half its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold inside and outside shall you overlay it and you shall make on it a molding of gold around it. You shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them on its four feet, two rings on the one side of it and two rings on the other side of it. You shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold and you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark by them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark they shall not be taken from it, and you shall put into the ark of the testimony that I shall give you. This is a, 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 a place where God's presence is going to dwell. This, this ark of the covenant is going to be the place where actually those tablets that God wrote and inscribed the instructions for the people of God, he's going to take those tablets and put them inside of this ark. 
But don't you and I see something that's a little bit a little bit different? I mean, we all know what a table is. We all know what a, a, a chest is. But how many of you have have made a chest out of pure gold? You know, it's 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 you've seen a box before. But God is taking what they understand, the, the, the earthly understanding, and trying to point them towards a heavenly one. To say this is something different. This is something that's beyond the understanding of the average human. This is something that's set aside for God. And in it being for God, yes, it is going to be something that is majestic, all gold, to the point that even the poles that you use to carry it, can you cover those in gold too, please? This is other. This is other. This is, but, but, but God is focused, is intentional. And so he gives the design. He tells them exactly how to create it. A cubit was supposed to be from your elbow to the tip of your, to the tip of your uh, fingers. And so now that was, the, that was the unit of measurement in creating these things. And so you see God has great detail in it. But it's, 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 a little, it's a little backwards, right? I mean, if you were going to build a house, wouldn't you start by planning out the foundation? If, if you were going to start with a house, you probably would start by like, okay, so what, I, I need to understand the strength of the base so I can build everything. But that's not actually how we go about building things. Usually, we actually go about building things by first asking the question, what is the purpose? What is, what is the purpose? Your foundation changes if you're building a roller skating rink or a swimming pool. If you're building a residential home or a coliseum. So now, if your purpose is that God would dwell in your midst, then it makes perfect sense that God would start by communicating the Ark of the Covenant. Because that's the most important place within, within the entire sanctuary. Because that is the place where his sheer presence will dwell and everything else can now be formatted out of that. You see, God is excited to see his people get it. Get that my presence will continually be here. But I'm calling you to create something that I have designed. And this design is out of all gold. And I got a picture of it so that you could see. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I got that in the wrong order. Could you go to it should have two cherubims, like two almost um, like winged. Uh, is that not on there, my brother? No, 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 no cherubim one. I'm sorry. Uh, there, I'll, I'll make sure I get you guys uh, a picture that has, um, it's like a chest, a giant gold chest that has rods along the side of it and these images of, of what are like angelic beings, hey, um, images like what are like angelic beings that they, yeah, we're going to get to that one next. I got you. I got you. Those are not waffles. I got you. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, so defining the purpose allows us to understand why the ark is spoken to first. But let's continue on in verse 17. 
You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be its strength, and a cubit and a half its breadth. And you shall make two cherubim of gold. Of hammered work shall you make them on the two ends of the mercy seat. Jump down to verse 21 with me. Uh, And you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And in the ark you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. There I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, uh, from between the two cherubim, are on the ark of the testimony. I will speak with you all about, I will speak with you about all that I give you in commandment for the people of Israel. You'll make a, a, a mercy seat. And what is that? The mercy seat is, is basically like a lid for the, the, the chest. So the mercy seat is the, the, the top that's going to go on top of the, the chest, the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, my homies are taking care of us, y'all, so we'll just continue to follow with me. Um, and so why does this matter? It matters because, because God is trying to, trying to help us get the play on words. I mean, when you hear mercy seat, you might think of something that is an actual chair that you sit down on. You know, maybe God is creating a, a throne. But what, what God is trying to communicate to us is that his presence will rest on top of this, on top of this uh, ark continually. So now, in between the ways that the two cherubim are pointing, these cherubim are like winged, winged uh, creations that are one's pointing this way at one end, the other is pointing this way at the other end. And God is saying, I will be resting. Mercy seat. I will be resting in the middle of these two things. So whenever you need to communicate, whenever you need to, to connect with me, come and you will find me here. You see, this beautiful gold creation is one to help them see, man, this isn't, this isn't like any of our homes. This, this can't be found anywhere, but that's where I can find God. So then we move on to, uh, to a, a, a table of bread that started in verse 23. You shall make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its breadth, a cubit and a half its height, and you shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold around it. I'm going to continue down to 29. And you shall make its plates and dishes for incense and its flagons and bowls with which to pour drink offerings. You shall make them of pure gold and you shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me regularly. Our God is a living God. Have you, have you ever been to someone's house? Have you ever been to a, an actual residence, a place where someone lives and they didn't have a kitchen? Did, didn't have a, a dining room, a place where they planned to eat? I mean, I get it. When we, we grew up, we had a dining room. We never used it. The couch was our dining room in the living room. You know what I'm saying? So I, I understand we don't always use things the way they are created. But there's, there's pretty much a, an expectation that if you go into a residential place, uh, uh, the ability to prepare food and eat that food is a safe assumption. You see, God is trying to communicate even to his people 
that, I, that, that this bread, this is going to, just as you eat and do life together and dialogue over meals, I am looking forward to you coming and communing with me, that you will meet me at my table. And so there are a number of rituals that take place, a number of seasonal things. Pastor even taught us about the different festivals. But this is one of the only things, I think, that that God says, I want you to do this every day. Every day you come to this sanctuary and you bring forth bread to remind you all that every day you should be communing with me. Every day you should be dining with me every day. If I am this God of all power, all creation, if I've, and I've instructed you, don't you want to come to where I'm dwelling? I, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see if you guys would, would catch what, what element of worship does this remind you of today? Communion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, 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 we don't try to simply divorce ourselves from all the Old Testament practices. You, 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 you won't have us, uh, we probably won't, you know, kill a goat up in here and sprinkle y'all a little bit, you know? <laughs> if you were here a few weeks ago, that was, that was one of the things uh, Jonathan even preached on in his text, you know? So we're not going to be having some of those expressions. But man, Jesus, Jesus calls us to do this in remembrance of him. Why? so that we can understand all that he accomplished on the cross, but how in doing so, in accomplishing these things on the cross, he restores us into proper fellowship with God. Don't, don't you see? This, 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 was the, this was how it was always supposed to be. You know, we get these, these glimpses of what it was like to be in the Garden of Eden with this God who says, I just want you to delight in me and enjoy in my presence. And so God is trying to continue to establish that. He's doing that here in the sanctuary to say, come and dine. Come and dine. And then one of the the last expressions that we see is the golden lampstand. And it says, uh, you shall make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be made of hammered work. Its base, its stems, its cups, its calyxes, and its flowers shall be of one piece with it. There shall be six branches going out of its sides, three branches of the lampstand out of one side of it, and three branches of the lampstand out of the other side of it. Uh, And then we'll go down to 37. You shall make seven lamps for it, and the lamps shall be set up so as to give light on the space in front of it. Its tongs and their trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made with all these utensils, out of a talent of pure gold and see that you make them after the pattern after the pattern for them which is being shown you on the mountain i think we do have a a, a picture of that i saw oh no we just we let them go gotcha so um <laughs> but 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 if you could if you could imagine a a a lamp that has a, a stand with a cylinder that goes up the middle, and out of it are branches that come up equally on each side. And the idea is, is, is multifaceted. I'm, I'm coming to understand that for us, it's one of those simples that like, 
symbols that just is supposed to make sense. You know, like when I when when we say um, uh, uh, justice, and you think of uh, a scale and a gavel, just makes sense, right? Some 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 time of being around certain symbols makes sense. If I say good good food, you know, some grub, wink wink, uh, and I do some a fork, spoon, and knife, kind of makes sense, right? You know, and so in in the in the mind of the people of God. An olive tree makes sense. It makes sense for for a few reasons. One, it's supposed to remind them being a tree of the Garden of Eden. It's supposed to remind them that, man, things were not, (laughs) this is not how they were intended to be, you know? It was also supposed to remind them that olives uh, and olive oil is the sustenance for light. So God is their sustaining presence that illuminates their understanding of the world. But then physically, in and of itself, it lights up in an environment. And, and some of you, you, you're riding through the hood, you're rolling through Detroit. I don't know about you, but I sometimes take routes to drive by you guys home just to make sure everything's cool. You know, I'm like, hey... See if I can see James and Maggie, honk, honk, you know. Uh, let me see, see if I see, you know, another, the, the EBs. They just moved in their house right by. And, and if it's nighttime and it's dark, what's one of the things that lets you know if a person might be home? The lights are on, right? The lights are on. And so God very clearly is trying to communicate something, trying to say this. My presence is here. I am home. Come and dwell with me. I am in your midst. So for these lamps, it's not a light switch, baby. You don't cut it on and cut it off. He says you keep these burning to let the people know that I am continually in their presence. And when they need an opportunity to experience me, they can come to the ark where I will be standing. I mean, where where my presence will be resting on the mercy seat. This, this, this beautiful, beautiful image of a God who loves us enough that says, I will dwell with you. Will you create a place for me? Will you create a, a design that I have? And this design is extremely intentional. Because see, the, the design is supposed to help them see that there's another place. There's another reality. There's a long-term goal and hope that which you should aspire to, and it is that of heaven. So why are you making things out of all gold, baby? Because heaven is the, is, 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 has the most, you can't imagine things this amazing. So in your human mind, the thing that you value most is gold, and I'm going to have you lace a box with it. I'm going to have you, the thing you value most, why don't you use that for the handles that carry the thing? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you, you can't even fathom how beautiful this place is, but, but in your understanding as people, you get value. So now you're saying, wow, this is worth it. This is, this, this is above, uh, uh, above anything in my home. And that's humbling because each person gave out of what they had for something that was greater than themselves. Each person's contribution helped create a sanctuary that all people could worship in. But that sanctuary was way nicer than any of their homes. 
beautiful what can happen when collectively we join together for the sake of worshiping an amazing God. And so in Revelations, we get a, we get a glimpse of what it looks like when, when God's holy and beautiful kingdom will invade this earth someday. In Revelations 11, starting at uh, verse 15, it says this. It says, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And then when you scroll down to verse 19, it says, Then God's temple in heaven was opened. And the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. So he's supposed to give us this, this view that, man, as I create, as, I'm, as, as God would allow me to be one that contributes towards the creation of a sanctuary where he would dwell, I'm getting excited. I'm getting, I'm getting amped because someday I'll be able to be in, in a presence like this, but magnified to the exponential degree, I'll be able to experience that when God's kingdom comes and, and, and overtakes all of this earthly kingdom. So this sanctuary was to, was to give them hope to look forward to an eternal reality. I was... Uh, I was uh, blessed with, uh, uh, let me back. So if you, if you know uh, our, our pastor, if you know our visionary pastor, you know he's a visionary. You know what I mean? Like he, he thinks big, you think big, and, I, and, and, I'm, and I'm thankful for that. And so uh, one of our guys uh, was like, hey, have you guys um, like ever dreamed about a church building? What's what, What's up? Y'all ever dreamed about a building? He's like, you know, one of the things you guys could do is you can make a, a big a big gym. Cause our, our hood like loves hooping. And like that gym could be converted into like a big space for community meetings. Uh, it also could be converted into a, a sanctuary where, you know, we have our services on Sunday. But the idea and the goal is that this big space, we would only have to make one space and then you could just move things around within it. And that space could be used all during the week. And we were like, man, that's a cool idea. That's good. But then then pastor was kind of reflecting. He's like, you know what? That's cool. But I actually want just a worship, uh, just a place that we worship in. The, the hooping and all that would be cool, too. But there's something about when you walk into a room and you know exactly what you're supposed to do in that room. You walk into a room and you say, I'm here to experience God and I'm here to to worship a Lord who's died for me and saved me from the depths of my sin. I'm here to, to celebrate this God who's allowed a crazy mix of people that in no way should be together are now linking arms, calling themselves brothers and sisters. I am here to do life. And this God is worthy of my voice, my praise and my worship. Do you see that structure? Do you see that, that, that design? Do you see the intentionality of your God to say, man, I've got a purpose. I've got instructions for you. I've got contributions that I desire for you. 
but it's so that you would experience me. And then crazy enough, God gives us kind of the opportunity to experience that. So now the, the, the building that pastor is, is leading us in, in trying to acquire has both. We get the hoop court and the sanctuary. Come on now. Come on now. So, we, so, 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 I'm, so I'm excited, y'all. I'm excited about this next season. But, but I'm encouraged that it flows out of, out of a great design that God has already had in place that we get to learn from. We get to learn from. And so I, I, I with joy, ask you, what should your contribution be? I, with joy, ask you, you don't have to tell anybody. You don't have to post it on Facebook because in Exodus, as well as in 2 Corinthians, we see it's a matter of the heart. But if you're desiring to experience this God, desiring to meet him where he dwells, then my hope is that you give out of joy. You give out of love. You give out of, out of thankfulness. Macav, may we be encouraged to pray. Pray that we would have uh, some of the joyous elements of worship that God gives us present now. And we do. We've got communion. We sing out unto the Lord. We do a variety of things. But, I'm, but, I'm, but, I, but I want you to see the beauty of all that we do is to point us towards an eternal resting place. Let's pray together. God, we are so thankful. We're thankful for the beauty of who you are. We're thankful that you would give us, you would give us plans, that you laid out how you desired to be worshipped when you spoke to your people. But even today, Lord, you have a desire for how we would worship you. We're taking some, some steps towards that in the building, uh, but mostly, God, you desire that in the hearts of each person present. Would you allow our worship to not simply be a Sunday experience, but it would also uh, flow out of our thankfulness for who you are and that we would each desire to experience your presence. Lord, have us looking forward towards an eternal resting place. We will be in the midst of you fully at all times, overwhelmed by your, blue, by your beauty, your glory, and your majesty. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.